We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Alex Hurstia sat in a car park in Bournemouth, beautiful, sunny Bournemouth, which was didn't look like this for the majority of the time we've been here since Friday. <laughs> it's pissed it down with rain, it's been cold, it's been windy, but that doesn't matter. It's been incredibly windy, by the way. Like, incredibly windy. One of the windiest days I think I've ever seen. Yeah, like, it affected the game quite considerably. I don't know whether the commentators said that or picked it up, but, um, yeah, uh, we're sat here. Um, we're sponsored by our parents, who pay us about, like, £6.50 or something, every month um, for four to five extra podcasts a week. We've just been planning next week's podcasts all about Newcastle United, one about England as well. Um, uh, so get involved in that if you fancy it. We're also supported by fans about the Unique Gaming Company who share 50% of their profits, your losses, with football causes, football fan causes. So, you know, here we are, Bournemouth. We've got a six, probably seven-hour drive home in front of us, lads. Um, most definitely worth it, Mickey. For one reason and one reason alone, and that's uh, that's one bloke who who probably is or a lot of fans' most favourite player in uh, Matthew Ritchie, who saved the day. Just describe that feeling for the listener. Was um, without without being dramatic about it, it was one of the best moments of my life, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and it would it, it caused like. An eruption in the way and the likes of which I've not seen for a long, long time. Like people were going fucking berserk. And if anyone hasn't seen it, you need to have a look on Twitter and find a, the clip of the guy celebrating when he's been wrestled by the steward on the pitch. He's still like, still like waving his arms about, going, going absolutely mental. Um, but uh, yeah, I've not, uh, like, I've not seen, I've not seen the way and go so berserk. I don't, I think, I think ever, if I'm honest, like it was, it was madness. Uh, and uh, looking back at the goal. Like what a fucking hit in the ninety fourth minute! What a hit! It was it was brilliant. There's not enough words to describe it. Also weird that you call him Matthew. We're going we're going full uh, Christian names here because it's a <laughs> it's a joyous day. It's a Sunday, the Lord's Day, depending on who your Lord is. We're not going at that. Um, certainly not mine. Mine's, but, mine's uh, called Matthew Ritchie. <laughs> um, and um, it was. I take your point on the scenes in the away end, and I'm thinking Old Trafford one nil Kabai. I'm thinking Benfica Cisse one nil. And it's it's not just the 94th minute; it's the injustice of the game, which we're going to go into, and how you know I was f- fucking furious. And like 93 minutes, I was furious, thinking how we're going to lose this game here. Well, I knew how because of the referee. I was a little bit frustrated with our. Um, our approach in the second half but most of all we're going to talk about the referee's performance and 
you know, you haven't seen replays at this point, you haven't seen anything, but you just, we just knew that the referee had a major influence on that game. Yet again, same as Wolves at home, same referee, and it was... Uh, and it was it was it was it wasn't a happy place in the ninety third minute, um, and then the difference. I mean, Ben Ben's here next to me. I've seen uh, more life in corpses. Um, <laughs> ben, you know Matt, Matt Ritchie's goal. Just talk us through it. How you felt and what did it kick off last night? It just came out of nowhere, didn't it? Like as you say, we weren't really expecting it. I mean, what you're right. What a hit! Like he's hit it so sweetly. Like come, he comes out of nowhere really. It's obviously a ball meant for Rondon. Ron, it goes way over Rondon's head. Great cross. <laughs> and just Richie just comes flying in on it and just swings his left left boot at it, left boot as well. And there's just no saving it. It just flies into the top corner. Absolutely unbelievable strike. And as you say, just the elation from the way and like everyone's just going absolutely mental. Just similar scenes to last week, actually, I would say. Obviously, you we weren't there for Everton, but just so unexpected as you say like everyone was thinking how we lost this game and then Richie comes in and, and, and nicks the equaliser goes absolutely nuts himself goes celebrating and then remembers that he used to play for Bournemouth and tries to like not celebrate but he's he's already gone he's already, he's already gone yeah. he's already gone hero funny a funny point of um, celebrating that goal like we were on row F and I clambered over all of the rows to celebrate the front grabbed a steward by the collar and shook him and I think he was going to try and shut us out so I kind of <laughs> ran away but as I was coming sort of back away from the steward that I thought was going to chuck us out there was a bloke that was trying to sort of protect his wife and his daughter uh, he had his arms out like stopping people Good like nuts. getting getting them I don't, I, don't, I don't really know why but like it was it was genuinely like pandemonium at the bottom so I just I grabbed him by the head and <laughs> just shook, shook him and kissed him <laughs> it was mint Forget yeah. your wife and kids, son. This is bloody Newcastle United. <laughs> if uh, if Dorset police are listening, the uh, the golden head, six foot lad, isn't the same one who you're looking for for a <laughs> common assault on a father of one. <laughs> um, but yeah, great, great dangers. Just on Matt Ritchie again. It's like he's come in for reasonable money. He propelled us along with Dwight to the championship title. You know, those two were by far and away the most important players. And you could you could argue that Matt Ritchie was the most important player. Personally, I wouldn't because I love Dwight Gale, but many people would. Uh, he, he was essential last season, got huge goals against Man United and Arsenal. And then this season, he's been played, made to play in a position that he's never played in his life before, left wing back. Um, and, you know, he scored the winner against Man City. He's missed a pen last week, but then he's come back in the best possible way. And he was actually one of our best players anyway yesterday. Yeah. He, I mean... Uh, yeah, it was a funny day for Yedlin because Yedlin actually kept Fraser really quiet beyond that shot in the first half when Yedlin wasn't there to keep him quiet um, but was kind of disappointing going forwards um, though we should have definitely have a pen which we'll come on to later but you know Richie was, was one of the best players yesterday as you, as you correctly say Ben hitting it with the left foot the keeper like dives and it's past him already uh-huh. it's such a good hit it's gone into the part of the net that, that it's unsavable and um, you know it's a hell of a there's a cop alarm just gone off in this car park, but um, it's it's a hell of a save and it's a hell of a, a way to finish a game and like the elation on the faces of the players. That's what you enjoy as well. Like it's not just the fans who are, um, you know, really really enjoying it. It's the players as well and Cause they would have been they would have been as aware as us yesterday that they were getting mullered by Mike fucking Dean, and that they did not deserve to lose that game. The performance they put in yesterday was it would have been really unjust for them to get no points out of that and. As you say, I didn't notice the, the faces of any of the players because I was too busy going fucking mental, but um, it's, it's nice to know that they enjoyed that as much as us. I wonder if they had a similar night in 
in your bed. <laughs> Probably. What are you talking through for the listeners of the night you had? I've had to drive back so I sensibly went home about nine o'clock. Uh, if I'm completely honest with with these all, I I can't really contribute much more than what Dodds already said. Like I can't really remember <laughs> anything. Um, I, I I I loosely remember Dodds going home at about that time, and me and me and Ben just went like to to another level. Um, I think we went to see a band, and I think we possibly ruined the night by like trying to get on the stage. Ben spilled his drink on the speaker. Um, I think we were demanding the sing tune songs, which was not <laughs> not 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 the vibe of the night. But uh, if, if if you ask Ben, which we will, uh, he reckons that everyone loved our part last night. I was going to say, I, th- I think that paints a very um, bad picture of our night. I think that that would s- sort of make people think we were being quite unreasonable and uh, troublemakers. Far from it. Uh, it's not. It's not unreasonable to expect them to sing tune songs when Newcastle have got uh, exactly, million like, people, I mean, it? we're just trying to get them to sing the songs that the fans wanted. You know, like everybody else <laughs> wanted to sing them songs. <laughs> we were singing them anyway, and people were joining in. <laughs> it was just like join in or like lose your audience. You know. Um, but I know that. I mean, they were loving the crack as well. Like built a very good rapport with the lead singer to the point where she was like, I'll try and get, they had like little mini breaks partway through, we followed them out into the smoking area, <laughs> as, as normal people would do. And we were like, get these songs on. And she was like, ah, yeah, we'll what do. Songs, what songs like? Oh, just anything that was going. Like, I think we'll try to get her to do um, Krishnatu, the logical song. <laughs> the logical song. <laughs> um, wasn't really their scene, to be fair. So was it, was a, rock, of, a rock band? Uh, I can understand her not, not pulling that one out, to be fair. <laughs> But we, on that note, we, I've never waited for the players, but because the Bournemouth, the ground for Bournemouth is so small, and we're also pissed after the game, we ended up at the team bus somehow, waiting for taxis to get back into Bournemouth. <laughs> um, I mean, Hot Rocks and Aruba, two Bournemouth bars have done a roaring trade out the True Faith podcast this weekend because everyone was here. If you've listened on Patreon, the first listen of the match day is done by the London lot who have obviously gone home to London last night. Charlotte Bolland, um, and you know Chris. The rest of them, Norman. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was a ridiculous day. And it's funny how the day is um, different to this time last year when I walked out of that ground reasonably happy with a point, but the majority of the away end was foaming at the loss of a two goal lead. And I think Shelby misses an open goal, Perez misses a similar chance. And it's just funny football, isn't it? How, you know, it's still a point, uh, it's still a point at a, a team. And our, our record now is like played 31, won the same amount of games as at this stage last season, scored the same amount of goals, conceded the same amount of goals. It's quite scary that. Um, and very Rafa like, yeah. you know. Um, but we may, we may as well get into the game. Um, you know, first of all, um, I mean, we'll t- tell you what, um, Mickey, we'll talk about the referee first. You've got so much to go at. First of all, you've got their penalty. Then you've got, I'd say, second on the list, their back pass. Then you've got the potential red carding on the foul against Perez, which I'm not sure made it on a match of the day. I haven't seen it. Um, you've got the the Rondon and, and Yedlin penalty shouts, which to me look like excellent penalty shouts, particularly if they give the first one. Um, Mike, Mike Dean, we talked a lot about him on the preview. Um, you know, Mickey, what, what were your thoughts on his performance? And, and, and should we be, should we blame the ref to this extent? Well, the only thing that Mike Dean hasn't achieved yesterday is is getting his fucking century. Um, but other than that, he put in one of, one of genuinely one of the worst referee performances I've seen in a long time. Like you've you've made a list there of all of the stuff he's done wrong. That doesn't doesn't encompass it uh, at all. Like it was every single decision he could have done, he got wrong. It was like 
And it, it wasn't it wasn't one of those games where he's got it wrong for both teams. He's just got it wrong for Newcastle over and over and over again. And he's he's cost us three points yesterday. We deserve to win that game. Our performance deserved the points. Bournemouth didn't um, didn't didn't warrant a point, let alone all three, which they almost got. Um, and it it was a total disgrace. And a a referee shouldn't have such an impact on a game to to change the the like to change the end result. And Mike, Mike Dean's performance yesterday. Did exactly that, and it was it was appalling. Um, to call out the two the two things which I thought were the, the most ridiculous, the back pass, like it's so blatant, like it's so fucking blatant. You you just can't get that wrong as a professional referee. You cannot get that wrong. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. What 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 else could he possibly think happened in that situation to not not give the not give the decision on the back pass? It's 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 absurd, and then. The inconsistency to to give him a pen, which was found out by the way, and not not give us at least one is appalling. It's a disgrace. Yeah, uh, agree. Um, before coming to Ben, I'll just say he has form for this with Newcastle, Man United at home uh, under McLaren three three. I haven't checked it out, but I'm pretty sure that was Mike Dean, yeah, and he gave he, he gave that ridiculous like over overreacting like point like yeah. outrageous. Like that means I always go on about. Yeah, you you give them a penalty for a foul on Smalling, I think, and then give a foul against Smalling, and ni- neither of them, in truth, were penalties. Um, and how we can't give the one on Yedlin, and how we can't give the one on Rondon, but give them a penalty when on on both occasions, both of those tackles on Rondon and Yedlin, like. Um, affect the play the play isn't affected as it um, Paul Dummett clears the ball Ake's never getting there is it silly by Fernandez? yes does Ake make a hell of a, a lot more of it by throwing himself to the ground theatrically he does not one Bournemouth player apart from Ake appeals for the penalty not one it's a crowd appeal and he's playing up to the crowd that's what he does yeah. um, he missed He missed the elbow on Perez at Wolves it's a clear penalty and then, like you say, the back pass. And this is one of those things where I'm not interested in seeing it slowed down from various angles. I'm not interested in the player's body position. Don't care. We were there. We saw what happened. That player's got two options. Yeah, either kicks the ball into his own net. Yeah, either lets it run across him and lets Rondon tap it in. Yeah. Or the third option, which he does, the back pass. Um, and it's a, a disgrace. What really annoys me, though, and I've said this for fucking like three years on the podcast is Paul Dummett is the only player who runs and surrounds Mike Dean from yeah. defence where's the rest of the team around him don't don't let him don't let him not make the decision force him into make a, making a decision particularly when you're chasing the game I'm not saying take loads of time and I appreciate it's like it's like the 88th minute or something like that but you want you want your senior players there in the referee's face screaming at him saying that's a fucking back pass and make him make him crumble make him make a decision it was too easy for him there with the game as it was to just walk away from that and, and, and think oh what's it? You know, he he does love the limelight. He loves the controversy, but that would have been a controversial decision. I mean, it would have been a hilarious scene with like taking a free kick from like three yards out. <laughs> um, but we've, uh, we've never been good at that, does you're right. You've you've spoken about it for a long time, but we we've never ever been good at pressurizing referees. And you just have to look at like look back at Man United over the nineties and early noughties and the, the the amount of pressure they put on refs surrounding them at every single decision has a fucking impact. And they used to get everything, and it was because of that. We really need to work on that, and it's uh, it's sad that that's something that comes in has to come into your thinking about football. But it it's important, and it, it probably could have got us three points yesterday. 
Maybe, um, and you, you don't want people to do it for piss take decisions or small decisions. But like you, you, you're right, you see a lot of big teams, even when they like give away a cast iron penalty, will still moan at the ref yeah. because it's just been ingrained in them. Like try and influence them as in any way you yeah. can. Ultimately, it's not the end of the world. We got the point that we're we definitely deserved after that. But um, Ben mentioning Paul Dummett there, it's a it's a nice little segue into you know the changes that were made. Paul Dummett and Fernandez come in for the suspended shirt and the injured Lascelles. Um, your thoughts on those two? Do you think they did enough? And obviously, Paul Dummett makes that ridiculous clearance. Um, your thoughts on, on on their performances and how we defended as a whole, including the second goal. I mean, just touch, focusing on Dummett first of all. Um, came on last week and had a a massive impact on the turnaround in that game. Um, like, ch- changed the game and allowed us to, to get back and win that. And he and he had some key interceptions and he's backed it up again this week, clearing that ball off the line. It's a certain goal. Not sure many of the defenders would have could have could have done that. He was absolutely fucking brilliant. It was really athletic to get his leg up that high and clear it was. It was impressive. Keep the silver hair, Paul. It's doing wonders for you, Paul. <laughs> um, just, just really, really solid. And on um, Fernandez, I think he was he was good. Obviously, give gave the the pen away. But again, I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of criticise him too much because it was very very soft. He's got his arm around that, and you could sort of say, why is he doing that? But it happens every corner. Like it'll have been happening all game. Yet Mike Dean just decides at that point that he he wants to to get involved and shake things up prick but no the, the just defensively I thought we were brilliant like with you you sort of mentioned it with Yedlin before as well we've, we've kept their day and they're a very dangerous team I mean we've, we've sort of said all this stuff before seventh best home record in the league um we've got some of the sort of some of the better players outside of the top six in their team Fraser and Wilson and, and King who all had a big big impact on the game yesterday and we kept them all relatively quiet I mean I know King's got two goals but other than the two goals he's, he's done very little he's not it's not like he's been um, massively influential on the game in terms of the, the play and things like that I mean it sounds a bit silly because he scored two goals but he, he didn't really get involved and hurt us as much as, as he can do exactly the same with Fraser Fraser was getting on the ball and, and obviously hits the post in the first half but that was pretty much all he did all game and you've got to give credit to the back four um, five. sorry back five sorry um, for the for, for keeping that threat so quiet and, and that was the foundation it's the foundation that we've built this season on and it's always going to be off his way but you've, the, at the same time it's it's not an easy job you know like especially against quality players I mean there were times yesterday where so obviously the, the first goal Yedlin's out of out of place and you, you could be critical of him for that, but it's because he was trying to get forward, and obviously, the the winning goal comes because he's he's getting forward and whips the ball in. Um, they, they've they've been brilliant this season. You can't really criticise any of them. Fernandez hasn't played for a few weeks, and he's, he came back in and slotted in seamlessly. And you've got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff as well for the fact that these players can seamlessly switch in and out and and come in and, and implement the game plan that Rafa wants, with, without really like noticing. I mean, you you, you wouldn't necessarily. Um, been able to tell that Lascelles wasn't playing yesterday because Fernandez came in and was so good and won pretty much everything in the air. I mean, even even the pen that he's given away, he wins a header against Hackney. It's like really really good defending. Uh, Dummett clears it and just the it's it's really really good to see that Newcastle have have got that strength and depth at the back that um, we've got we've got so many good centre backs that can come in and, and and do a job for for Newcastle and it's only going to get better as and hopefully. Yeah, go forward. We'll get more resources and strengthen that. But it's it's good to know that we've got that sort of strong core at the back. 
Well, you never know though, because Real Madrid are probably going to come in in the summer with a ninety million pound bid for Lejeune, so <laughs> it could change. Just if we're going to be hypercritical about the defence, so I thought the defending for their second goal yep. was was a disgrace. Um, cool. And uh, like un- unacceptable, but you can kind of allow it because they did everything else right. It's just really frustrating that that one lapse by a, a, a few players has has led to them getting a getting the lead, which. They didn't, I, they didn't deserve. I would say I think they're probably worried that if they try to put a tackle in, like Mike Dean's looking to give another pen, like yeah, it's, outside it, the box. It was it's frustrating for a couple of reasons. I wouldn't go as far as disgrace, but yeah, it's a strong word. I didn't yeah. mean that. <laughs> Making retraction already the fastest retraction ever. Um, uh, first of all, I think Rondon should rugby tackle the lad who who starts that counter attack. Do a Pickford. Um, yeah, do a Pickford. <laughs> um, he should rugby tackle him, but he doesn't, and just take the booking because he won't get sent off because it's in our half. Um, and then obviously Fernandez does make the tackle, but they get a little bit unlucky. And then for the what four of them to be around one man and leave their best player yeah. on the day kick unmarked was really poor. Um, and it was a good finish. There's no way Dubravka saves it. No, but um, it was very frustrating. We we felt Bournemouth offered very little apart from the dominant clearance, the two goals they got. There was almost not a, a chance in the game. Yeah. And it's one of those ones where if you're them, you're probably really frustrated. You haven't won the game. And when you're you're us, you're really frustrated that you're going to lose the game, potentially draw it because as an away side, with what you think you've done enough, and they probably think they've done enough as a home side, which is just what two teams of a similar level playing a tight game tends to happen. Yeah, I mean, talking about the midfield, um, Ben, I thought Diarmé and Hayden were excellent yesterday. I thought they controlled the game, particularly in the first half. We retained possession very well, which I'll talk about in a bit, but then John Joe Shelby comes on, and I think I, I wasn't at the Everton game, but from what I hear and from what I heard on the podcast that um, he did after the game, Mickey, I mean, Shelby's just looking so good that he has to start. How, how did you see that battle between those three midfielders yesterday? Yeah, it's interesting, because I, I was a little bit surprised that he didn't play Shelby after the Everton game. I thought, you're right, he was so influential. It just brings such a different dynamic. At the same time, I think it was the respect Rafa showing Bournemouth that they're a good team. Away, like obviously we're away. He wanted uh, to have that um, combat and sort of sentiment partnership of Hayden and Diarmi. You're right; they did really well. They, they neutralised the threat on the other um, coming from Bournemouth, and I think it's it's one of those. It's I think Shelby obviously gives you the um, fluidity in possession and sort of the he, he he will create chances for you, but he's probably not necessarily um, going to be as good doing the. Sort of the hard graft that um, Hayden and Diarmi put in yesterday, and it's it's one of those. Again, personally, I would I would I would love to see Shelby getting more game time because he's he's, a, he's we don't have another player like him. He's he's a completely different breed. He's class on the ball, creates a lot of attacks, and we've been saying it for a little while. Like the the link of play between the front three. If you hold Shelby in that and make it them them four playing together, like it's going to be really really effective and dangerous. But um, as I say, you probably lose a little bit of that defensive sort of steel that, that we're, we're building here so um, I wouldn't necessarily criticise Rafa for playing them but you lose a little bit not not playing them Shelby came on and changed the game again we, we sort of got a foothold back in the game um, just his, his, his vision and he just sees things other players don't and he's by far and away the best passer in the team um, and, he, and he can switch play so seamlessly and that's especially when we're playing the five at the back that's the key for this team is, is utilising those wing backs flying on Um Richie and, and Yedlin sort of put, pushing up and yeah, uh, Richie was in space so many times yesterday and just there was nobody could pick out that pass to him um, 
and then Shelby comes on and we start getting our space and obviously the last the, the goal comes from um, Yadlin sort of getting down the wing and, and crossing it and <laughs> goes all the way to the back post where Richie's there, smashed it in so um, personally I, I, I want to see Shelby back in the team I think she, it, it, we've, we've said it a few times it'd be very very harsh on Hayden to drop Hayden but he's just not at the level that the other two are and, and personally it would be a tough one to sell but I, I think you've got to get Shelby and Dorme back in the team because they they are the the, the, the best two um, now Longstaff's out obviously but they're the, the best two um, midfielders that we've got in the team and um, I think you, you, the thing with Hayden is you don't want to um, sort of <laughs> almost like um, demerit the work he's done but he's, he's just not at the level of those two is he? I don't, I don't agree I think, I think Hayden starts for me and Xavi comes in for the army I mean what what frustrates me most about Xavi is that performance yesterday comes on the pitch and he's so positive now we're losing 2-1 and he's been obviously told to help find an equaliser compared to the Xavi who was playing in our bad run yeah. um, it's like two different players when he picks up the ball and his first touches forwards and he Shelby is at his best when he's willing to run with the ball and he's he's good at it you know he, he managed to hold off several Bournemouth players on positive form forward runs yesterday um, but you know I think you have to say as well um, I think Rafa will be disappointed with the nature of um, Bournemouth's second goal that both Hayden and Diarmi weren't there to stop it you know that's kind of what they're in the team for I thought both Hayden and Diarmi played really well first half um, and it's a tough one. I probably would agree with Ben. I I, I like Isaac Hayden. I think he's, a, he's he's done great. And I think he's a good player. But I I just I don't know. I think I think Hayden plays. Um, sorry, Shelby plays his best football alongside the army. I mean, maybe maybe Hayden needs a chance to see what they would be like. Those two as a two. The one good thing we can take from this conversation is this is a good conversation to have. Yeah. Um, I mean, the next game is Arsenal, which we're going to talk about in a bit. So it's it's you know, is he going to bring in Shelby for that one, or is he going to stick with the two? We don't. We don't quite know. Um, one thing I, want, I do want to talk about, and I can't believe what happened, is the first goal, uh, Salomon Rondon. Uh, ten goals for the season now, nine in the Premier League. Um, to start with, Miguel Almiron's run is is what happens when you buy good footballers. There isn't another player in our squad who's capable of that. There's like Christian Atsu, who's fast, but he would have checked back. There isn't anyone else with the confidence in, the, the confidence in their own ability to run literally from the edge of our penalty box on a counter-attack, uh, run on his, on his own, 80 yards and draw a foul, which ultimately is an assist to a goal. I mean, Almiron didn't do loads yesterday and I think eventually he was replaced for Mudo, someone, whoever, yeah, someone yeah. was replaced for Mudo, um, who did all right when he came on and didn't have much of a chance. But, you know, this is, this is I thought the second half would have been Almiron's time yesterday and it's so frustrating that Mike Dean took that away from him because Bournemouth were going to have to commit more men forwards and Almiron was going to be our man for the counter-attack and, and at half-time I backed him to get a goal and then Mike Dean's taken that away from him. But that's the, that's the good thing about really good players and I think Almiron had a particularly good game yesterday. Not a bad game, but he didn't have a good game in terms of affecting the play in a positive way from an attacking sense. But what good players give you is one or two moments of brilliance. And I'd say the same for Rondon. It was so windy yesterday that it was very difficult for Rondon in particular, he's probably not used to it, to judge the flight of the ball, so he hardly won a header. But that one bit of quality that we needed from him, we got, and he got us a goal. Um, I mean... It's it's been said before, Mickey, but Rondon this season, like you know, where do you think would be in the league if we'd got him properly in June at the start of pre season? Do you think do you know do you, do you really think we would have had a totally different season with him fully fit and firing? Without a doubt I. Um would have been you know, the difference could be six, eight points if we'd had him 
I had him properly on the go from the from day one because he he took a little while to settle in, and it's, it, as you say, it's so frustrating that just by in pure incompetence by the wangers that run the club, um, that that didn't happen. And Rafa's been proved so fucking right about him because he's he's class and he's like pivotal to the way we play. Um, just it just ins- it's insanity that we didn't have him like have him early doors, have him in preseason training, ready to, ready to kick on. Um, it, it's it's utterly infuriating. Um, what what's also infuriating is the fact that we travelled for eight hours on Friday, stayed on Friday night, up early doors for a swim, like out out early for breakfast and a pint, all the way in Bournemouth, and I fucking missed the first goal oh, yeah, to be down Christ. to be down on the concourse waiting to get a pint, and then due to the behaviour of some of our our, our worst fans who were being absolute fucking pricks. Um, the closer bar, so I didn't even get a pint. Do you want to go into more details? I was going to ask you about that. Uh, yeah, I can do. Um, the the, the behaviour of some people on the concourse yesterday was it was an outright disgrace. Um, so the news kind of filtered down. We sort of heard a noise from, from upstairs, but nobody really knew what happened. Then it came, but they had Sky Sports News on, um, and it, it showed that we scored, and like everything just went berserk. Um, it was really busy down there. Um, people were going absolutely crazy, like banging the the shutters and the, the the metal above the kiosk. And then people started chucking stuff at the staff and one guy broke in, like they stopped serving because people were going so mental uh, and one of, the, one of the members of the staff was basically assaulted by some absolute prick. Um, and then another bloke broke into the bar and stole something and ran off. Um, it's, a, it's embarrassing, people, people behaving like that. Is a is a disgrace and it's shameful. It shames the club and it shames the rest of us. And if you like, if you know anyone that would behave like that in a away game, you need to have a fucking word with them. Like it's not on. You wouldn't behave like that in your, in your normal life. So don't do it. Don't do it in away games. Like it's it's not acceptable. It was really really disappointing and it it fueled my misery at the time of missing the goal, not getting a beer, and then experiencing people behaving like that. It's no it's no fucking good. Like. And then, and then you go back and we're fucking giving a pen away. Yeah, straight up says and we get an unjust pen. I it was bad. It was a bad couple of minutes that for me. Then we'll have to mention what happened at the end on the other on the other end of the spectrum. You know, seven arrests made for people for you know entering the pitch. There's a huge difference between entering the pitch to do someone harm or to be a cock and stop the game, to just you know. Over celebrating shouldn't be a crime. I, I appreciate the authorities have got to do a job, but arresting people for that just fucking getting have a day off, lads. Like yeah, people, people at Newcastle, like think about the journey people have made from Newcastle. A lot of the lads, you know, went off, you know, have, have come down on the bus, gone back on the bus on the same day, and the score, like the whole, the whole reason you're there is emotion, and the score ninety fourth minute winner as good as that, and and no one threw any punches, no one did anything wrong. I just think it's uh, disgraceful, personally, and I like, I like. Listen, we get it. We've just slagged off people doing wrong. I don't think these people did anything wrong. That's the difference. It's we've like just, we've just had a message um, to the supporters trust that there's a there's a young lad that's still in custody now, and like, what's for what reason for getting chucked on the pitch by his mates celebrating a goal? Like, it's it's appalling. What's going to happen to that lad? Are they, are they seriously going to press charges? Why is he why is he still in custody almost twenty four hours after the match? Like, it's it doesn't make any fucking sense, and there's no. Like they don't use any common sense in these kind of things. Like the people that got on the pitch, 
None of them were making a run for it to do anything. Like as as Dodd says, making it to cause any trouble. They were just celebrating a goal. All they had to do was chuck them back in the stand. They could do it aggressively if they want. There's no need for it. But if they want to literally grab someone by the collar, chuck them over the barrier, put them back in the away stand, you know that's fine. But instead, seven people were arrested for that, and it, uh, you know it's it's not it's not acceptable, and it's it's part of the culture now of of football fans being treated as criminals immediately without any perspective, and it's any fucking good. I don't think as well like anybody was trying to get on the pitch like it's just we've all piled forward like celebrating it's not the similar scenes to you saw it uh, Birmingham and, and Arsenal last week like nobody was trying to get I mean I'm, I don't think anyway that anyone's intention was to sort of fly onto the pitch or anything it was just everybody's rushed forward to go just the, towards the players and people are falling over the barriers um, so I think it's a different situation the, the probably obviously because of what happened Last uh, last week with with those incidents, they're, they're probably overreacting to to this type of scenario. When I think they're very very different. Hopefully, those people um, get you know get sorted out and are able to go to the next away game. Um, if anyone knows them or has any issues, if you email info at nufctrust.co.uk, uh, the supporters trust can can help with various links to various people that like exist to help football fans in these situations. You know, we would never um, try and support anyone, like we said, like maybe saw someone throw stuff at an employee at half-time. That's totally different to people who are just happen to be at the front of a, an away stand and when everyone piles forward. Sometimes sometimes you've got to go on the pitch. Sometimes, like, you've, you, the, the surge is so much. Like, there was, there was three blokes next to me yesterday, three old blokes who spent a lot of time whinging. And then when we got the equaliser... The the must have ran forwards about five rows of steps, and it's like if you're if you're behind them, I'm not criticizing them. You've got to go forwards. There's nowhere else to go. So it's, it's highly worrying because you know for all there might be people who think, oh, you know, they get what they deserve. I'd never do this. Well, he might be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, anyway, we've, we've said our piece on this. If anyone thinks that if anyone thinks that these people are getting what they deserve, they're fucking wrong, and they don't understand football fans and, and a football crowd. That's pathetic. There, there will be people out there that have got that attitude, and those people are fucking idiots. Back to um, the football, uh, Newcastle United. So yeah, Rondon's goal, brilliant. I mean, he's he's a, he took what three free kicks from Newcastle at the top of my head. One's hit the post, one's hit the underside of the bar, and one's gone in. Um, I reckon Zinedine Zidane's got pictures of bloody Solomon Rondon on his wall. <laughs> um, again, we've picked up Rondon. Um, we'll have to talk about the context of the of the point as well because it was a point at the end of the day and. First of all, completely different to like when we went to Palace earlier in the season. It was like, you know, we'll come out of the game. It was like, I didn't know how to feel about that because it was so shite, so negative and dour. And it was like, yeah, it's a good point. But we've we've only won two away games, but we've got 13, 13 points away from home, which is decent, which is like good for Newcastle. That's that's all right. Um, and it's, you know, the ability of this team to never give up and, and, and West Ham away aside, never know when they're beaten. Um, it's a really good point, particularly... We've got the break coming up now, the international break, and you don't, you know, you wouldn't want to go into that on a defeat. Next two games, Arsenal and Palace. Uh, Arsenal have got one of the best home records in the league. I think only Man City have won there on the opening day, uh, and only Wolves and Liverpool have got points. They've beaten every other Premier League side they've faced, including the likes of you know Tottenham, uh, Chelsea, and Man United. So they've beaten all the big teams at home. Um, and then you've got Palace who are one of the league's better away sides I think they've won seven games away from home because they're so set up for the counter-attack their home form is not great but their away form is good so they're, they're two really hard games for Newcastle so it's, it's really important again for whatever happens in the future to have taken a point into those two games um, and I think that a point away at Bournemouth just like last season is a is a really good point and a really good 
a really good kind of end to this little run of fixtures we've had before this international break and then you can look forward to the end of the season proper after the international break uh, where we where we kind of I think everyone thinks we're safe I mean Ben you know any any lingering relegations for you are seven points clear the relegation zone although we've played a game more no nah, not all I mean I was pretty pessimistic for most of the season to be honest um, until this this sort of run of games we've gone on we've just been class um Obviously, it all started with with that Cardiff win. I think we've we've been on such good form um, since. There's absolutely no chance we're going down. No chance. There's too many teams playing bad, and that's the thing. Like we're we're picking up points even where. Like, I mean, yesterday's prime example where we would have never got a point out of that game in in previous years gone by. Um, but there's a there's a real um, confidence and sort of never die attitude. Um, Never give up, sort of in in the squad, and it's it's great to see. And we've 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 lauded this squad of players for a long long time, sort of praising them and saying how good they are. Obviously, at times we've been on the bad runs, <laughs> harder to do it. But um, this this is this is sort of the end product that you never really out of games. And yes, that was a a very very tough game. That um, as I say, we, we probably would have lost, and, and it's probably been very similar games before. That, but you you don't go away to, to Bournemouth. I mean that. We said it. They're a great team. Like you don't go away to them and, and get points like that when um, you're not a good team. So you've got to give these lads a lot of credit. There's absolutely zero chance to get relegated at zero. Like it's just not. It, we shouldn't even really be talking it. This is all about now pushing on to um, finish as high as we can. And, and top half. I mean, I, I said it on a podcast a few weeks ago, and sort of I think you laughed at us saying there's absolutely zero chance for whatever, or that it'd be very difficult because other teams would have to cock up so much. But we're getting closer. We're not a million miles off. I mean. We played Everton last week. We've beaten them. We'll close that gap to three points. Um, two points the and two points now after yesterday. Um, it's it's a real possibility that we can break into that top ten because I, I don't feel like the other teams around were in in the the form that we are. Fair enough. Um, top ten would be great again. I mean, it didn't actually mean anything last season because we all thought we would go and, and kick on and sign a load of players and try and finish as high in the league as possible, like normal football clubs do. But we did not um, so you know top half will be nice again particularly for the manager and the players uh, you know I think personally I think it's a, a stretch of what Leicester on 41 points it's a six points ahead of us and they've got a new manager um, that'll be tough though we do have, we do go to Leicester in three games time I'm looking forward to that one tremendously but I think that just about does it for the, the True Faith podcast this week um, appreciate you all listening and uh, you know what we've got, we're going to start this drive home now in good spirits because it was a good point and a good day following what a quite a good team I was going to say don't mention spirits you can make it all yeah no, <laughs> no need for spirits for the hungover lads I think the thing for, just to mention is that like there's there's absolutely no need to start drinking at 10 o'clock and finish at 3 o'clock in the morning no need and we're, we're suffering for it today Dodds is a sensible one I went to bed early but me and Ben are having a bad time Aye, well, if you're lucky that I did go to bed early or wouldn't be driving back today. <laughs> right, thanks for listening to the True Faith Podcast. Back with you with a free pod uh, next weekend, which will probably be part two of the Mammoth Malcolm McDonald Supermarket interview that we'll have. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.